Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you are joining me today. And I want to start before we get into today's episode by saying that I am grateful to everyone who listens to the podcast, who supports the podcast. We have, I think, over 50 ratings and reviews on iTunes now. If you do listen to the podcast and you haven't left a review, I would be so grateful if you would go to iTunes and take a moment. If you're on your iPhone right now, just look down, open it up, scroll all the way down on available episodes and uh, click on write a review and just write a quick review. It doesn't have to be long. I really appreciate it. It helps the podcast out. And if you're enjoying it, share with your colleagues and with your friends. Uh, I'm getting so many great messages from people on LinkedIn telling me how the podcast is helping them. And uh, I love that. And so if you are listening, feel free to reach out. If you have questions, feel free to reach out. I plan on building a community around this because I see a movement and speaking to that movement, if you listen, you've probably already heard, but if you haven't been listening long, maybe you haven't. I am hosting my first conference called the Talent Development Think Tank this November 6th and 7th in Sonoma, California with my friend and business partner, Bennett Phillips. We have some great keynote speakers lined up, including Liz Weissman, Josh Burson, Julie Winkle Giulioni, and Michael Bungay-Stanier. And we're talking to others. We're planning breakout sessions where it's going to be highly interactive. It's going to be all about uh, networking, connecting, growing, and accelerating your careers and solving real problems. And if that's something interesting to you, then head on over to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and get your tickets there. I know I've been talking about it a lot and I'm going to be talking about it a lot because I feel strongly that this is going to be a great event and experience for people to connect with each other and learn and grow. And speaking of learning and growing, my guest today on the Talent Development Hot Seat is Teresa McCloy. And Teresa is the creator of the Real Life Process. She's a certified leadership and business coach and an accredited Enneagram professional podcaster and keynote speaker. And today's interview, today's podcast episode is all about the Enneagram. Now, if you haven't heard of the Enneagram, uh, I feel like it's the hottest thing right now in personality assessments. I'm hearing about it everywhere. So I finally went and took the assessment. I got introduced through 
to Teresa through some mutual friends and took the assessment. And on this episode, she is going to break down my results. We'll talk about the Enneagram, how it's useful in the corporate space, as well as the personal world. And then we're going to break down my actual results. And I hope that will be helpful for you. Teresa works with clients all over the place on this. And so if you're interested in, in getting yours, you know, head over to her website, TeresaMcCloy.com. Uh, but for now, enjoy my interview with Teresa and let me know what you think about my results. And if you are a seven like me, reach out and let me know. Enjoy. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Hey, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. I am excited to be here, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yes, so great to have you on. Uh, We met in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World, and uh, we had many friends in common and people I know who speak highly of you. And so uh, it was easy to ask you to come on here, especially because I have been hearing so much lately about the Enneagram. It's so hot right now, and I hear you are the Enneagram expert. Is that true? Well, I don't know that I'll take the expert title totally, but I love the tool and I use it so much in business and I am an executive coach. So I use it to help leaders just really dive into this tool and learn how to uh, be the best leader they can possibly be. So love the tool, the Enneagram. It's huge in my business. And so love to share it out with you. Yeah, I, I know that you're you're definitely passionate about it and like sharing it. I mean, you mentioned you use it as a tool in your executive coaching practice, but you also host a podcast about the Enneagram as well, right? I do. I have a podcast called The Enneagram in Your Real Life because just like any of the personality tools that we use, you know, they're great to take and do the assessment, do whatever. But then if we don't do anything with them, if we don't live it out in our life, mm-hmm. they just kind of go on the shelf or go in the folder as another thing that we've done. So I really want to help people see how it applies in their life. So that's why the podcast is called The Enneagram in Your Real Life. Great. Well, we are going to dive into Enneagram in real life uh, because I want to ask you a few more questions about the Enneagram, the history, and and where it's useful. But I also took one of your assessments and we're going to dive into my results here today. And uh, it should be interesting because I've looked at them a little bit and I still don't know what type I am. And so I think, I hope you're going to help me figure that out. But before we get there, tell me a little bit more about the Enneagram. What's the history behind it? Uh, How long has it been around and, and why is it so popular today? The Enneagram is really a pretty ancient tool, to be honest. It goes back a long, long ways. But in probably 1970 or so, early 70s, 
people put it into what's more a graphical form. So you see the circle with these nine different numbers around the outside. Some people are like, what is this? This like freaks me out. It looks kind of different than many. It's Some people would say it's a psychological and spiritual tool. So a lot of people that really like to practice some spiritual practices love the tool, the Enneagram as well. What I love is it taps into and we use this phrase a lot, right? The zone of genius. It looks at your IQ center of intelligence. It looks at your EQ center of intelligence. And something I know you've become passionate about, Andy, because I follow you on social media, is what we call the gut center of intelligence, knowing what our body is telling us about where we're at. And most really passionate leaders work well out of one of those spaces. We're either great in our IQ, we're great in our emotional intelligence, or we're great in that gut knowing. But when we can access all three of those centers, which is what the Enneagram helps you do, it's a deep tool. It, you know, It's not for the faint at heart, but uh, it's a great tool because it really takes you to your zone of genius, I think. Yeah. And Zone of Genius, I think might've been coined by Dr. Gay Hendricks who wrote... It is. That's his book. And... Yeah, I love how that book overlaps with the thoughts of what the Enneagram is. And so you hear that phrase and I'm like, oh yeah, the Enneagram does that. It makes total sense. And uh, I think he's actually since changed it to the genius spiral with his (laughs) uh, latest book. So uh, if anybody's not familiar, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and the follow-up book, uh, which he called... uh, uh, something of genius. I forget now. Yeah, Both really great. The second one I loved even more than the first. And I've had Dr. Hendricks on this podcast twice as well as his wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're both amazing. And, you know, Ian Cron, I, I always reference him. He wrote the book, The Road Back to You. I feel like he kind of brought the Enneagram back to the masses people say, you know, <laughs> it's the Cosmo test of the millennials, but it is just that, you know, it looks into, you grew up, you know, what nature gave you in our gene pool, how we were nurtured, and also what we've chosen in our own free will. And those three things kind of form who we are in this ego structure. And then looking at those three centers of intelligence. So I believe we tap into all three of those centers. We just haven't learned to access them all yet. Mm, Okay. And tell me a little bit about your background and how did you get into using the Enneagram so much in your practice? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. I've been using the tool for about eight years pretty regularly, but I was introduced to it actually through some spiritual practices. Really didn't look at it through the lens of business until a few years later. So just like you, I love to practice you know, some meditation and some different things. And from kind of my faith tradition, it was a tool that I'm like, wow, I've never looked at this one before. I was also kind of a personality junkie. (laughs) So anything that was out there, I was going to take it. But it kind of covered so many things that say a disc or Colby or uh, Myers-Briggs cover, but really psychologically, those things all kind of look at it intellectually. And this tool invited you to some different places that I had never looked at before that I think people are really starting to notice in the business world are important. Emotional intelligence, for example, in team building, knowing how your team members are wired and where they're coming from emotionally. Also knowing what your body is telling you about your health 
and where you're holding stress, what you're doing. So the Enneagram takes in all three of those. That's where I really found my sweet spot as a coach. I'm like, I can make this tool practical for leaders in better communication, better decision-making, better team building, and you know, just take it to the next level in the business world because we want to carry over. That's why I call it the real life. You know, those things mesh together. We can't separate the two. We think we can, but our real life, our business world, they come together. And so we want to be the best in both places. So that's what I love to help people do. I like that. Now you mentioned, uh, you said the word or the phrase personality junkie, you know, wanting to take (laughs) these tests and assessments and find out as much as possible about yourself. And I totally get that. And I want to learn as much about myself as possible. And I'm very curious and I try to be growth-minded and hungry for knowledge all the time. I believe there's so much I can learn about myself and the world and we can always get better. The flip side I would say is I would I would assume, you know, I've taken MBTI and the disc and social styles and all these different things that people come and say, oh, you've got to do this. And I could see people getting a little bit burnt out on like another personality, test, assessment, whatever. And they're all telling me different things. So do you see this, the Enneagram as being complementary to a lot of the other things? Is this like the, really, if you use this, you don't have to worry about the other stuff? Where does it sit in all of that? Well, as a personal opinion, who is an Enneagram professional and have yeah. grown to that, that place in, in the Enneagram world, I really do think it covers all of those things because so many... and. People put it in that category, Andy, of, oh, it's just another personality assessment. And I really don't think it is at my deepest heart. I think it's a tool for transformation. It's a tool for personal growth. Is there an assessment that you can take to find out your type? Yes, there is. But that's just like the beginning of what you can learn about yourself through the Enneagram. You can learn empathy. You can learn gratefulness. It's really a tool for... Uh, self-examination, you know, all those things that take us to a deeper place. Not that any of the assessments are bad, but many times now people say, well, this is what I know about from myself from the disc. And I'll be like, yeah, the Enneagram can tell you that too. So I do have my bias, I hate to say, but I feel like it's more yeah. tool than it is an assessment, if that makes sense. I get that. It's more comprehensive. I mean, I, I feel like I've always liked Myers-Briggs, but I've heard that it, could, it was like quite flawed and not really built based on any like true research, right? Mm-hmm. Um, DISC, I find to be just way too simplified, right? It's like four right. things. You're putting me in a box. And I'm a... I don't know about other people, but I'm a complex human being. I have many facets to my personality, to my history. I'm changing all the time. So sometimes I get a little bit uh, resistant to that. Oh, put me in the box. You're an I or you're a six or whatever. So do you feel like the Enneagram compensates more for the fact that people have so much complexity to them? I do. And when we dive into yours, we can talk about that because the model even that I teach the Enneagram in is a model that you connect to all three of these centers of intelligence. So you have kind of what I call your home base, for lack of a better word. You know, you have that home style, that home base. It's kind of your go-to and how you've lived out your life through that home type. But we connect to these other two that we may not have access. So that's why I think it's a tool for growth, not just a tool to put you in a box and type you. Originally, the Enneagram, kind of going back to the history, it wasn't even taught there wasn't an assessment. 
it was taught through what they call narrative. So we would share story together. And through that story, you know, you would sit with and go, yeah, I see that I really work out of that, that style or that type. And, and so there wasn't this assessment things that have been created on all of that. That's just come in the past 20 or 25 years. Okay, great. I'm glad it's not going to be put me in a box because as we'll, we'll, we wouldn't want to box you in (laughs) as we'll get to, when we get to my personality style, I don't like to be told what to do and I don't like to be put in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Before we get to that, a couple more questions. I want to address how can this be used effectively in the corporate space? And then we'll get more to the personal growth side. So how, you know, a lot of my listeners are in the corporate space, especially in talent development, figuring out how to best develop their people, especially emerging leaders, managers, um, senior leaders, things like that. How can the Enneagram be leveraged for them? Well, it actually is used. I mean, it's taught at some major universities. It's used in some major corporate spaces. And it really where I think once a team works together or a leader decides on their own that they want to dive into the Enneagram, it is upping their game because if they know how they're motivated and so there's three, these three centers of intelligence. So some people operate out of that head center. Well, sometimes that's operating out of fear or the gut center can operate out of anger. The heart center is looking for approval. Well, when we know that about ourselves, we can kind of, you know, realign ourselves to go, man, I want to come from my best place, not out on the edge is what I call it. And then if we begin to know that about our team, that's so helpful in how we communicate, how we might even send an email to someone, how we might go in to negotiate. I have organizations that use it for hiring because we don't want nine of the same style on our team, right? Because if we have a bunch of people that are in the heart center, nobody's really going to want to do you know, the thinking and the data collecting that the head center types would do. So you can help the tool in building a well-rounded team as well. Got it. Okay. So it, it helps in, and I almost forgot about that. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it is about understanding yourself, but you can use it to understand those around you so you can communicate more effectively, work more effectively with your team, uh, with clients. Uh, you can hire. Because uh, one thing I've learned, especially working in the corporate space, is a lot of people work on teams and uh, we don't realize it half the time until well into a project or a career that other people don't work the same way we do. They don't communicate the same way we do. They don't like to operate the same way we do. And we have to sometimes adapt and adjust. Um, I've done some stuff on and, and taught some things on social styles and communication styles. I always think it's funny when you get people like someone like me, who is very expressive and personal and likes to like get to know someone before we get down to business with someone who is like, we need to get down to business. You're wasting my time. And how we like butt heads, you know, sometimes if we don't realize that, it can cause a lot of frustration. Yeah. And, you know, we won't dive deep into this, but an example of it is three of the types in the Enneagram are what I call very forward moving. Three of the types are more like, wow, I I move away. And three of the types are toward like that relational style, you know, so they're going to want to talk about the game last night or whatever it is before they get down to business. Whereas a forward moving type might be, no, I need to talk about the game or I don't want to talk about the game. (laughs) You know, I want to get right down to business. So if you know that, you know how to build that know, like, and trust relationship with your clients or with your team by just really listening to some things and knowing that ahead of time. 
Okay, what about on the personal side for people that are really in, into personal development, personal growth and, and being the best version of themselves? How do we leverage that for our own personal growth? Well, I think, you know, if I know that, for example, I'm trying to work on my health this year and I'm really listening to some things that my body is telling me about stress and, and uh, trying to actually practice some of the things that you do, and move in that direction, I know that's going to make me better as a person, not only in my marriage relationships or my relationships with my adult kids, but you know, my friendships, all of that, I'm going to have more energy. Maybe it's trusting, you know, in the IQ space, I've always had a little bit of trouble believing that upping my intelligence in that way. So there's these three areas that we can always be working on. And the Enneagram is going to invite you to all three of those things. So I just think it's that transformational growth and that journey that we're always on. And it's just a tool in that way that's going to invite us to those things. So personal growth, you know, business growth, both of those things come into play. Got it. So we were talking about personal development and uh, you mentioned relationships and you even mentioned marriage. And I was just... It's timely. I was just having a conversation with my wife this morning. And this is not necessarily a marriage or relationship podcast, but I think all of this fits in together and everybody wants to be the best version of themselves and improve every area of their life, whether it's work, health, relationships. And uh, my wife had a conversation with a friend last night who told her that the Enneagram had greatly improved her relationship with her husband that they had both taken and they understand each other better and that we should do the same thing. And so she was looking at it this morning and I was looking at mine. So have you seen that where, you know, maybe we talk about married couples, but any relationship between friends, business partners, whatever, uh, where having that knowledge and the Enneagram can help them? Absolutely. So I'll use my own marriage as an example. I am what's called a type three on the Enneagram. So I am all about things being effective and efficient and how can we get things done. I'm a very forward moving type, have a lot of energy and bring a lot of energy. My husband, on the other hand, is a type nine. Well, a type nine is about bringing peace and no conflict and everything being, you know, he's going to avoid conflict at all costs. But yet it's a beautiful, he's a great negotiator. He's a great a motivator and those types of things. So every type on the Enneagram has their positives and their negatives. I call it authentic and adaptive sides to them. So knowing that about each other, we have learned that that's really helpful for us. I know now how to come into a conversation with him so it's not conflicting and those types of things. So it's great for a marriage relationship as well as a friendship or, you know, as we said, back to the business space, whatever. It's just that knowing and understanding of each other on a deeper level, not just looking at the surface. Got it. Okay, great. Well, let's take a deep dive into my results and hopefully this will be helpful for others as they look at it. You mentioned you are three. And when I took the assessment, the results, this is pretty funny. The results initially came back as a three, I believe. And I texted a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jamie Slingerland, who I know is very passionate about the Enneagram. And he immediately told me, no, that is not what you are. You are a seven. So he apparently knows me better than the assessment does. So let's talk about that. What do the results say? And uh, what type of refining do we need to do? Well, actually, when I look at your results, and I don't know if you have your results there with you or not. I think I had sent them to you, but whether you do or you don't. 
And I look at and I do use an assessment because it's a great jumping off point. I always want to, when I do an assessment with a client, the assessment that I use, I always want to get on a call with them, just like we're doing kind of in a short version and walk through it with them because all an assessment is data in the end. And, you know, I want to have that conversation and go, how does this feel for you? Does this feel true when we talk about these things? So you actually, from the percentile scores that I have in front of me, you actually did score the highest in that seven category. And your second highest was the type three. Okay. So what this tells me is there's no doubt you're one of these forward moving types or a word, I think it's kind of negative, but some people use the word against types. You're Mm. not afraid to have the harder conversation, probably. Uh, You're not afraid to introduce yourself to people, to put yourself out there. Obviously, you're a networker at heart. We talked about that before we started recording, you know, those types of things. But the seven sits in what we call the head center. So there's three types in each of the centers. For the listeners, if you picture a circle with nine numbers around it, types eight, nine, and one are in what we call the gut center. Types two, three, and four are in the heart center, the EQ center. And five, six, and seven are in the uh, head center. And so your home base would be in that that head center type. And a type seven, each of these types bring a strength you know, just an energy. A type seven is described as the enthusiast. And to me, they bring joy. So they're always fun, spontaneous, adventuresome. It's probably why Jamie thought, there's no doubt, Andy's a seven. (laughs) They love stimulating experiences. They're very imaginative. A lot of entrepreneurs are type sevens. You know, it's that risk-taking. They're not afraid of it. They love the buffet of life is what I like to say. You know, I want a little bit of everything. Many times they either manage multiple things within a company or they have multiple businesses if they're an entrepreneur. They don't just have one thing. They might have three or four or five things. You're laughing. Does that resonate for you? Oh, well, yeah, that part, of of course. I mean, the couple things you said there that really resonate with me, the buffet of life, even more literally thinking about food, I love buffets because I want to try everything. And it I really don't like, you know, ordering one thing and having to stick with that one thing, which is why I love I've been to Asia many times and I love Asian cultures because all all meals are shared, right? You order a bunch yeah. of stuff and and share it. I love ordering Thai food or Chinese food and sharing it with people. And when I'm forced to order one thing and someone next to me orders another, I get food envy like you know, terribly. And then you you, you mentioned what was the other thing you were talking about just there that was... Multiple businesses or multiple... Yeah, I uh, obviously I host two podcasts. I've got a lot <laughs> of stuff. Not just one. Not just <laughs> one. I've got ideas for others. I've got things going on. And this is more true in the entrepreneur space when you're trying to build a business or even really when you're trying to get really good at one thing, even in the corporate space, you always hear that advice that you need to be an inch wide and a mile deep. And you really need to focus in on one thing and be good at that one thing. I hate that advice. It really bothers me because I don't want to focus on just one thing. There's a lot of things I want to do. And so within that, I mean, what you said about the buffet, I hear that from so many sevens. And this is the reason as a coach, when I'm working with either an individual or a team, I want to hear their language because there are certain things that each type naturally says. And that's one of them is... 
don't fence me in, you know, don't just say I need this, you know, or I, I'm going to do this, or you need to do this for the next 25 years in your career. Oh yeah. So where I find that in the corporate space or in, you know, team building too, is if you know, you have a seven on your team, they're going to be fine with multiple projects. Yeah. And they're going to be okay with that. Now you might not be. Right. So this is the difference between you as a leader who might not do that, but they're going to be fine with it. And they're going to actually enjoy and perform better if you give them multiple things to do. So, but this head type or this head triad, these numbers that sit in there, some of the language that they'll use is generally a head head type like you are as a type seven will be, I think. They're going to use that language as they start sentences. Well, this is what I think, or I have an idea. A seven might say, I have an idea (laughs) because there's a million ideas going on in their head. I have a lot of ideas. Yeah, sure. So you naturally think of ideas, but there's always a fixation. Like, why are you wired this way? And underneath these head types, there really is a fear underneath that there won't be enough. And when I say that for a five, a six, or a seven, so for a type five in this head center is there won't be enough information. I won't have enough wisdom and knowledge. For a type six is I won't have enough connection because I need loyalty and faithfulness. And for a type seven, it literally is, I won't have enough fun. Like, <laughs> I, I just won't have enough enjoyment in life. Right. And so for each of these triads, for each of these centers of intelligence, you happen to be, sounds like we've nailed the home base as a type seven. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. So I was looking at it a little bit this morning and trying to do a little bit of research before we got together, which as you and I were talking before we recorded this, I'm not big on preparation or research. I'd like to live life by the seat of my pants and, you know, or whatever the the phrase is, live in the moment. But I was trying to figure it out. And I'd heard that uh, the true way to discover your Enneagram number is to look at what you're moving away from or what what you fear. And, uh, you know, for anybody listening, especially if you listen to the Andy Stewart show, I like to talk a lot about fear. I think fear drives a lot of what people do and it's, and causes, holds people back from the things that they really want to do in life. When I looked at the fear associated with each of the numbers, I mean, they all resonated, right? I have fear of all of those things. Now, some less than others, right? When you say, I think it was five, fear of not enough information, that doesn't bother me. I don't really... I don't fear not having enough wisdom. I mean, Wikipedia will always be there, right? I can find all the information I need. Right. We can Google it, right? <laughs> right. I can Google it. It doesn't bother me. Now I'm always I'm hungry for knowledge. I'm always trying to learn more. 
But I feel like if I know what the resources are and I make the right connections, I'll have that. But I do often say that you know when I talk to people and I like to ask people what their biggest fear is, and I say mine is just that I won't, I won't fulfill my true potential. I won't get enough out of life. There's so much to do, and that I won't do all the things that I want to do. And that's my biggest fear that I'll get to the end. I won't have done all the things that I want to do. And that's, I mean, that's a typical true seven is that that fear base. And as you said, every type has a fear. So for a type three, it's fear of failure. So we will produce an image. You know, we could be failing horribly in something, but you will never know it. Our biggest fear is that you would know we are failing. Right. So we're driven. So there's a drive in every type. And then, you know, there's a development for every type or an invitation to every type to, to a development. So for the seven, the greatest thing about them, you know, our greatest strength, our greatest weakness is that imagination, that ability. And, you know, we're going to come up with a thousand ideas, a type seven, great about that. But then that impulsiveness, it's looking at what is the fear? What's driving me in that? And for a type seven, and this gets pretty heavy sometimes for people, but it is that there's emotional pain sometimes there that like, nope, I'm not going there. I don't want to, I want to avoid that. And that's where we get back to these centers of intelligence, Andy, where we go, you know, you're also connected in the EQ space to the type four. So what I like to invite clients to as they work on their Enneagram is, you know your type, you've lived there your whole life and you got the seven nailed, <laughs> like you know what a seven is. So the growth can be to go back and look at the type four, which is your EQ space and look at places where you can develop that more. And then also to look at the type one, which is your gut space or your body space. The type one brings goodness and at its edge, it brings perfectionism. So the type one for you is where you go to create systems and processes and... When I have to. Yeah, when you have to. So you can see that it's like, but to really grow a business, you do, right? Like, or you need to hire someone who can do that for you. No, I mean, that's, that's the only way I'm able to manage all the stuff that I have, two podcasts and everything, is I now have a VA and an editor and some systems and processes in place. They're still not good enough. I'm always trying to learn from the best, but I see how beneficial they are. But I, I don't like sitting around and doing them. Right. Even though I know how beneficial they are. And, you know, we take it back to the business world or to a team development. And I see this so many times with leaders is they'll hire someone who's exactly like them. Which is a mistake. And because they'll be easy to get along with, right? Because they're just like me. They think like me and and they'll manage like me instead of getting to know themselves and bringing someone on the team that is different than them, that maybe sits in one of these other centers of intelligence and really building their team from a wholeness perspective, not from a mini-me's perspective. Right. Yeah, you want someone that compliments you. I mean, I, I'm partnering with my friend Bennett Phillips on the conference we're hosting and some other things. And we've found that we get along really well, but we also compliment each other nicely. He's more into details and, and you know, worrying about the logistics and how things are going to go. And I'm the big picture kind of marketing type person. And I wanted to ask about that. Uh, well, first, I wanted to comment on the big picture thing because it absolutely resonated. I like to dream up big ideas. 
One was, hey, let's host a conference and see who will come, right? And you and I were talking about my conference before we started recording. If you haven't, if you're listening, you haven't heard yet, I am hosting a conference called the Talent Development Think Tank this November 6th and 7th in Sonoma, California. Uh, definitely check it out, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. But I had this great idea. Let's host this conference. We'll create this awesome website. We'll put it out there and see who comes. Well, I forgot that you know now there's a lot of hard work that happens. I have to actually like market it and invite people and try to sell people on it and get sponsors and all the stuff that goes into it that I'm like, I just want to move on and dream up the next, the next thing. And not that I'm not going to put... I care deeply about this. So I am putting in the effort. Uh, but I, I see because I have that draw to like, let's come up with the next big idea and then have someone else do this work. <laughs> right. And you know that's where you can... You're leaning towards your one. Okay. Because that one is that reliable, motivated you know, systems and processes. And maybe you haven't accessed that a whole lot. Yeah. Or you've been able to let other people do that for you. So it really is stretching you. You know, this conference is stretching you into that. Oh, yeah. Now, most people, you know, you're not going to spend half your week working in that space because that's going to really take a lot of your energy yeah. and, you know, kind of drain you. So you want to stay, you know, your home type is your sweet spot. That's the gift you bring is that enthusiasm, joy, that networking. But yet development of that one is going to help you. And it's going to bring you, as we said in the very beginning, you know, that phrase we use, that zone of genius. I use on my podcast, I call it full circle, right? We want to be, we don't just want to stay over here. You know, you think of a tire, it, you know, it turns, it uses all of it. So we want to be full circle. And that's one of the things we can ask ourselves at the end of the day, you know, where was I stuck in my head today? Was I stuck over here in my EQ? Was I stuck in my IQ? Was I stuck in my GQ? No, I want to be accessing all of it. Yeah. So I use all the tools that I need. So it's not that I'm a seven and I need to do the seven things. I do the other things and and utilize um, facets of the other numbers. Uh, but I need to know where I my personality tends to go. Now, I have a question about how or do people change? Because... I think a lot of people see me as this person who is an expert networker, very outgoing, you know, trying a lot of things, not afraid of failure. But I have become that person over time. And I grew up being very shy, a fear of failure, and especially fear of rejection has held me back, held me back for years um, from doing things I wanted to do. But I kept learning and trying things. And I think I've changed a lot. So does our personality change a lot? Is it something that was you know, innate within me that has emerged as I've learned? And how do you explain that? Well, I would invite you uh, just in what you described right there. We don't know each other all that well. No. We're getting to know each other. But just in listening to those few comments, I would invite you to look at the four because that's your EQ space. And there may have been in your early adult life or you know, through your teenage years, or early adult, that you were really living more in the four space. So some words that describe the four. This four is very creative and very unique. That's what they bring to the world. And they're expressive, they're sensitive, they're imaginative. When they're in their what we call authentic side or in their strengths... Sometimes in that adaptive side, they can be hypersensitive, they can be shy, they can be a little bit intense, uh, moody, that type of thing. I've watched it in my daughter, who's now 23. I have permission to always talk about her. But (laughs) 
but uh, she sits in what we call the eight, five, two, five being her home space. But I've seen seasons in her life where she was very much in her eight when she made a decision to quit her job, go back to college. Do you think that's an eight action? I've seen times when she was very much in her two, which was very loving and caring and uh, compassionate. And then I've seen her be in her five where she gets really stuck in her head and is data and gathering information and researching. So I think for seasons of our life, for years of our life, sometimes we're in one place or the other in this harmony triad. And what we're developing our whole life in self-growth is how do I be full circle all the time, not stuck in one season? And it depends on what's going on for us personally too. I think we move in and out of this harmony triad at different seasons. Hmm. Okay. So let's assume, and we, we looked at this and I'm seven is where I kind of sit now and I can play in these other numbers. What do I do with this? Where do I go from here? Well, I do think it is about that introspective. Okay, so if I'm a seven and I know I sent the packet out to you and when I walk through with a client, I have some words lists. I know our listeners can't see it, but I have some word lists where, okay, when you're living as your best seven self, Mm -hmm. you're curious, you're multi-talented, you're imaginative, you're quick thinking. But what you can ask yourself either daily or weekly, was there any place I was over on the adaptive side? I wasn't at my best self. I was being a little bit self-centered. I wasn't being curious. I was actually being rebellious. (laughs) I was being hyperactive. I was struggling with long-term commitments. So one of the beauties of the Enneagram is self-growth and self-accountability of... I want to live more in my authentic self. And this is where you talked about the marriage part, you know, or relationships. Because if I'm in my adaptive self, I'm not being the best version of me that I can be. So if you think about that circle, and I talk about it on the podcast, living on the edge, I'm on the outside of the circle, not the inside of the circle. I want to be living in my best self, not out there. So a lot for the Enneagram and transformation is really being willing to do the work of self-growth. And you just talked about it and we're, you know, like, I didn't always used to be this way. I've worked hard to grow myself to this place. So, you know, at the end of a business day, you know, looking back on the conversations you had and go, wow, I wasn't my best self today in that conversation. Or I reacted too quickly with that email response that I sent or storming into someone's office and you know, blowing up about this. And if you can look at it through the lens of your type, you can say, what was I fearful about? Or was I seeking approval when I went in there and asked them to go, didn't I do a great job on that? You know, So there's so many ways that you can ask yourself good questions, really learn to be your own best coach through the tool of the Enneagram. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And I'm looking at all the the words there that you're talking about and certainly they resonate. Okay, so for anybody listening uh, that wants to figure this out for themselves, I know there are assessments you can take. I know you offer one, Mm -hmm. uh, but it sounds like what you're saying, and I would definitely support this, is that you can't rely entirely on taking a test or an assessment. You really need to have an expert 
or look through it yourself. If you want to try to do it yourself and see what you really identify with, what you move towards, what you move away, what fears drive you, that sort of thing. Is that fair to say? It is. And I, I would recommend that people work with someone like myself or someone who knows the tool well, because we've had a really general conversation today, but really application for the Enneagram comes in those places of, man, I really want to improve my relationship with my team at work, or I want us to grow as a team. Because if I know that you sit in the emotional center of intelligence, I'm going to approach you differently than if you sit in the intellectual center of intelligence. And so there's application to the tool in our real lives. It's not just about finding your type and putting it on a shelf. It's about what does it invite me to in growth in this particular season of life. So yeah, doing an assessment is a great start, but it's definitely just the beginning of, you know, where you can go with it. All right. Last question. I'm looking at uh, the head seven in my harmony triad and my adaptive state, if I'm not being my true authentic self, I can be self-centered. So I'm going to ask a self-centered question. What's one more piece of advice you would give to me? I don't care about anybody else listening. Just kidding, everybody. <laughs> I'm here to help you, I promise. Um, but hopefully you can benefit from this. One more piece of advice you would give me knowing the, the results and, and what I am and, and having worked with a lot of people like this. Well, I would say and you'll see it there in the assessment that you have, is accessing the other two centers of your intelligence. So learning to live into the one and the four, Mm. you know, learning to identify because you do know the seven, you know how you're wired, but being able to ask yourself, hey, where today was I reflective? Was I willing to enter into the difficult and painful conversation? Or did I just want to go, you know what? I that didn't work for me in that relationship. So I'll just move on because I am a networker and I can create all kinds of new relationships. Yeah, I'll find more people. (laughs) So, you know, for a seven, many times you can uh, talk to your friend, Jamie. He's also a seven. Moving into some of those painful and difficult conversations is really... Because if you move past that, that might be the best relationship you have for a lifetime. So uh, moving into the difficult. And I know you're willing to do that. So I'll challenge you with it. (laughs) <laughs> All right. I'm going to have a difficult conversation with Jamie. No, I, I do. I often have shied away from difficult conversations because I fear rejection, right? Mm-hmm. But I see the benefits of that. So I'm going to move towards those. And uh, this conversation... Teresa, was not difficult at all. This was a lot of fun. And I know we could keep talking longer, but we do have to wrap up. For anybody listening who wants to connect with you, find out more about what you do and and possibly bring you in, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, Actually, my website is the best place. Just TeresaMcCloy.com. You go to the Work With Me page. You can see how to take an assessment there. The space that I work in as executive coach really is with teams and productivity and time management. So that's how I apply the tool of the Enneagram because I am a type three. So it's effective and efficient all the way. And so there's some different ways you can work with me and find out more. I love to work with teams as well. So just go to the website, TeresaMcCloy.com. Excellent. TeresaMcCloy.com. And there's no H in Teresa. No, there isn't. T-E-R-E-S-A. McCloy.com. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, breaking down my results. This was uh, fun for me and I hope it was valuable for others. So thanks again. Thank you. It's been a fun time to talk. (laughs) All right. Take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new talent development think tank membership community. 
Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my new friend, Tevis Trower, who is making funny faces at me right now. And Tevis believes in humanizing the work experience She's been heralded in uh, 